And we're live. So today on Lifestyle Medicine, we've got Corinne Welder. So Corinne, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. When we got on our call not that long ago, and we kind of were talking um, a little bit about your background and then some of the concepts found in Chinese medicine, there were some cool threads that I wanted to jump in with you about. But just as a basic orientation for the audience, can you just kind of give your, your titles, what you do, so people have a framework? Sure, yeah. Back in Austin, Texas in 2009, I started studying acupuncture. And at the same time, I started with my meditation school. So those two things have pretty much been woven together throughout my time as a practitioner. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I practiced in Austin for a couple years. And then, you know, in two weeks notice, I put everything in storage, got a car, drove to California, and <laughs> lived at my meditation retreat center for a couple years. And um, I was working with a group of practitioners there and my spiritual teacher, and we were really diving into the energetic body the entire time we were there. Um, you know, because in school, in Chinese medicine school, you're given the map, you know, you're giving the theory and the points and right. you memorize the shit out of everything. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of memorization. But you know, so, so you have the map and it, it gives you the direction, it gives you like theories and ideas and principles. But then, you know, just like you have a map and you then you go to the destination, then you get to experience the trees and the birds and, you know, the, right. the water, you know, it's a very different experience when you actually mm -hmm. go inside and experience it. And so that's basically what we were doing, building a relationship to the energetic body and the different organ systems and the different points and um, yeah, and, and kind of developing techniques around that. So I did that for a couple of years. And uh, as soon as I moved to California, I was like, I'm not going back to Texas. I love it here. Yeah. Um, so I moved to San Francisco, I guess at the end of 2016, and, and then started practicing energy work um, because every state has a different licensing requirement. So I wasn't allowed yeah. to practice acupuncture in California. Mm -hmm. um, so in 2018, 18 yeah last year I started doing all the things I needed to do to get my California acupuncture license so I'm about halfway through with that cool Hoping to take the board next summer and then be a practicing acupuncturist by sometime next year very cool yeah well similar threads obviously we both have studied Chinese medicine you know my background is in that as well um, just as a quick side note just curious what did you know Austin Texas I've heard is pretty awesome so what was the it is awesome. yeah so what was the um, the big difference between like leaving there, which I, I hear is pretty awesome to come to California. What was the selling point that made you want to leave? Well, I grew up in Texas, mm -hmm. you know, so I was there for 30 years. Okay, gotcha. <clears throat> it's home base. Every place, yeah, every place is different for different people, but I like the um, the mythology of, I think it's the rubber tree. You know, you, you plant a rubber tree in, in a small pot and it only grows three feet tall. You plant yeah. it in the forest and it grows 50 feet tall. And it's just like Texas is just a small pot for me. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't really able to grow there. So Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Well, when we had um, shifting gears into the thing that you had kind of brought up to me when we had our call prior to, to this interview, you were kind of talking about, talking about the concept of Jing, um, vitality, longevity, and these threads in Chinese medicine and that you were sort of, that was fresh on your mind and you were passionate about these things. And it's been a pretty consistent topic, it sounds like, with the people that you're working with. So I do want to get into that. But for, obviously, the Chinese medicine people that are listening to this are going to be like, of course, Jing, and, you know, it's <laughs> longevity. It's all kind of, it's very second nature for us. But for the whole yeah. 
slew of people that are listening to this who are like, what the hell is Jing? Can you kind of just lay out this little board game for people so they kind of know the the pieces that they're playing with and then we can kind of get into it? Yeah, sure. Um, Jing is... So if if you've had uh, acupuncture and you're working on... So I backtrack a little bit. I do a lot of work with fertility, and so this is why mm. I'm thinking a lot about Jing. Yeah. Um, so Jing is basically the quintessence of sexual energy. It is stored in your eggs and in your sperm, and it is passed down to your children. So Jing is actually the foundation of the physical and energetic body. It's, it's a very foundational energy. So it's not physical, it's energetic but it's passed down to you from your parents, you know, generation after generation after generation. Yep. And it's basically, yeah, it's, it's, it's super foundational. So it's vitality, it's life force. It's um, like you, it, it's like your bank account. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, everybody's born with a different bank account, <laughs> depending on how wealthy your parents are and right. how much you're going to get. Right. You know, it's the same thing with, <clears throat> with Jing and the amount of this foundational energy that you get from your parents. So you can get a lot of it and then you're going to have a very strong foundation. So if you have have high quality Jing, then you're going to be healthy. You're going to have a lot of vitality. You're going to be energetic, you know, and basically it's I, I say it's like the fuel in your car. You know, it yeah. helps you go places and you can go wherever you want, but it's just the thing that's going to keep you going. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so in Chinese medicine theory, you're, you're born with a certain amount of it. You have a ton of it when you're a baby. You're just like full of jing. And yep. then as you age, you kind of use it up. You use up that bank account. Unfortunately, you can't put money back in the bank account. Right. And then, you know, the theory is that when you die, it's because you've run out of jing. And so... The Taoists, you know, practicing thousands of years ago, wanted to cultivate Jing both for health and and vitality, but also for longevity. It's because it's this essential force of life. You know, it's this mm-hmm. life that's passed down generation to generation. It's what has kept humanity, um, you know, around for so long, is yeah. this, this force of life. And... Um, it's, it's also something, you know, even though you can't add necessarily to your bank account, it's something that you can cultivate. And so I speak about it a lot because if you are someone who's wanting to have a child and you cultivate your gene, you cultivate your sexual energy, you cultivate this foundational force of life in you and your partner, then your eggs and your sperm are higher quality. And then when those come together to create your child, your child's going to get a stronger force of life and that is going to affect them for their whole life and their children, you know, so it's, right. it's super important and it's not something that a lot of people know about or even talk about. Yeah. And there's, I'd love to add some things to that. So that's a great, yeah. that's a great framework. Absolutely. Like I agree with everything you said and um, nothing in Western medicine totally or science totally correctly 100% translates to Chinese medicine. But for the people listening to it, it's very similar to our genetics. You know, the, the imprint of like having good genes. It's kind of interesting that Jing and genes sound kind of similar, that's you know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but that's kind of what, what Corinne's talking about is that that piece of that, yes, you know, the that blueprint 
the stronger that is, right? And then it can be nourished. And that's kind of cool um, when you were talking and, and just the stuff when I've read about Jing and um, when I'm talking about it with people, the whole, the whole um, what do you want to call it? The area of study around epigenetics, talking about how our lifestyle, our environment can actually affect mm-hmm. our genes and gene expression. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's some ties to that too when you're talking about nourishing your Jing, right? It's like, what are we doing uh, at a lifestyle level? Right. What are we doing with our activity, with our body? What are we doing with the foods we eat, the air we breathe, the water we take in? Those things can nourish Jing, but it is a really important piece. Um, I think that it's overlooked quite a bit. I mean, I think qi, at least in Chinese medicine school, qi is talked about quite a bit. Qi, right? Like how strong is the person's qi? Yeah. How how are you moving the qi? You know, is there <clears throat> is there qi in this channel? Is there qi here? But you know, my teacher, I, I don't know if I mentioned you, I work with um, Lillian Bridges, the face reader out of... Um, uh, oh, yeah, you told me that. Yeah, out of Seattle. So one of the things she said is she's like, Jing is, you know, without Jing, you don't have Qi. She said, so Jing right. is like one of the most right. important things to deal with. Right. So <clears throat> in the context of, um, you know, this larger idea, now that people have a framework, yeah, what are you, what are you seeing with... Um, with people that the fertility, you know, people that you're working with and, and helping people, you know, in that area, you know, what are you seeing in um, working with people? And then what are the, some of the things that you do to actually quote unquote nourish Jing or to cultivate it in the, in the context of the way you're exploring it? Yeah. So to bring it more into experiential for people, like, you know, cause we've been talking a lot of theory experientially, mm-hmm. it feels like vitality. <clears throat> it feels like aliveness. It feels like fullness. It's like, you wake up in the morning and you're like, yeah, you know, yes. like I got this, like life is good. Right. I feel life flowing through me. It's even, you could even call it creative energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you feel alive, you feel great, you feel good, you feel full, you know, you're not exhausted and sick and, you know, um, so that's how you can experience, like think about it experientially. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that you work with it, so I I like what you talk about with the epigenetics, because I was thinking about this recently too, a lot of people who are having fertility issues, you know, they're, they're, you know, tracking their cycle and they're doing all this stuff, but they're like super exhausted and they're like, I wish I didn't even have to have sex. I wish I could just use a turkey baster. (laughs) It's like. Okay, there's something a little <laughs> bit off in the way that we're talking about <clears throat> here because fertility is just a way to look at your own health. You know, it's just an essential part of your own health. Mm-hmm. If you are not fertile, then something's happening in your body. Um, as a woman, your cycle is regulated by your hypothalamus, which is very sensitive to environmental factors. And if you think about yourself, as a cave woman or a caveman, you know, if your body's super stressed out, you don't have enough food, you know, like animals are trying to eat you all the right. time, you know, it's right. like that's your body's not going to be like, let's make a baby now. Your body's like, okay, I got to reserve my resources. Um, it's, it's not time to make a baby. Right. However, you have plenty of food, you have plenty of rest, you feel safe. I think that's a big part too. Mm-hmm. Um, then your body's like, okay, great. We can make a child now. And so, these environmental factors play a huge piece of it. And then in our Western world, it's just like, go, 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 run, run, run. You're not valued as a human unless you're producing and you're filling every second of your day with like busyness. And, right. and that, that leads to exhaustion. That leads to your body not having any resources to 
support and nourish your jing. You know, you're you're just in this fight or flight mode. Okay, get through the day, like survive survival survival mode. Yep. So you're not going into the the rest <clears throat> mode where right. your body is like, okay, I can actually refill, I can actually replenish, I can restore, and so that's the first thing that I have to address yeah. with people is it's that important. yeah, our okay, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here, please, but please do um, yeah. The yin-yang symbol, everybody knows what that looks like, but it's not a static symbol, it's dynamic. It's yin and yang are constantly yeah. dancing and moving. Yep. And we see this in our lives as, you know, yang becomes yin when daytime becomes nighttime, when summer becomes winter, and yin becomes yang when nighttime becomes daytime and winter becomes summer. And so we're in this constantly moving in these cycles. And, you know, you even see it like in the stock market, it goes up and it goes down, like everything sure. is cycles in our lives. And yet we're constantly trying to hold on to the yang phase in our society. Yang, 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 go, go, go. Yeah. There's no value. There's no time. There's no space to have the contraction phase to go into the yin phase. And what does the yin do? Well, it re replenishes, it restores. It's like sleeping at night. You know, if you didn't sleep yeah. for three days, you wouldn't. Absolutely. You wouldn't be good, you know, and so we need that time in our space in our lives to have that deep inner restoration, the digestion, the inner reflection. Okay, like what's meaningful to me? You know, like what am I, why am I doing this in my life? You know, yeah. why do I want to have a baby? You know, like what, like connecting to yourself, how am I feeling? Why am I in so much pain? You know, like mm -hmm. I think that sometimes people don't want to go into that phase because it hurts especially if we've been neglecting it for a long time. Well said. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So first we have to, you know, allow that to happen. We have to like stop, stop being so exhausted in some way or some form. Um, because, you know, for, so first get out of the constant sympathetic fight or flight mode. Um, and then, you know, once you're out of that phase, well then you can start to, ah, okay. Feel your body, connect to yourself, connect to your center. How do I feel? What do I need? Do I have energy? Do I not have energy? Yeah. Um, is it blocked? Is it not blocked? And so I focus a lot on the pelvic center, the energetic center in the pelvis, you know, because that's where your ovaries are. That's where, yeah. you know, your, your, uh, testes are and so mm -hmm. it's you know that's where you're gonna make the baby this is that's like the creative center the creative it's important <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah yeah and <clears throat> it's um you know it's, it's also the the center that connects down into the earth it's like power it's grounded um it's called the hara in, in the japanese tradition yep. and, and martial artists mm -hmm. learn how to ground in that center so that they can be powerful and strong and Correct. um yeah, so it's it's super important for people to start connecting with what's happening in their pelvis. Um, and and it's, well, first and foremost, we are totally in our heads all the time. So <laughs> people are like, wait, what do you mean? My yeah. body. I have a body? Yeah, um, it's very true. And then secondly, we have so many <laughs> issues in our society around sexuality. Um Big you time. know, shame, and then you don't talk about it. And like at the very essence, sex is about regenerating life. 
you yep. know, the generative life principle. It's about creating new life. Sex is the way that you can act also regenerate your gene, you know, because gene is sexual energy. Mm-hmm. If you do it in the right way, and this is what the Taoists were, were working on thousands of years ago, right. they would use sexuality practices to then nourish their chi. Mm-hmm. You know, chi governs all of the functions in the body. And then from there to nourish their spirit or their shen to bring clarity of spirit. But it always started at the root, at the base, at this vitality level. Yep. And so, you know, I think I think it's a big missing piece today of, of first connecting there and then, you know, working on it. Um, there's so many blockages around it. There's so much shame around sexuality. You know, it's yeah. either not talked about, we can't talk about it in school, you know, like you just... You don't learn about it when you're growing up. You kind of have to figure it out, and it's weird, and it's awkward, and you don't know if you're doing it right, and you don't know how to communicate. And so you learn from porn, which isn't a good way to learn at all because nope. it's <laughs> hyper-masculinized, and you don't get the, the deep uh, connection and the deep feminine opening which is needed mm-hmm. to cultivate gene and sexual energy and vitality. Right. I said a lot. Is there anything you want to? No, I mean, there's a ton there, obviously, right? There's so yeah. many um, areas. I mean, the things that I, I want to interject. Um, so I, like, again, agreed, <laughs> you know, Jing is really important. It's, I mean, it's so critical to nourish it, take care of it, not overuse it, but also to actively, like what I really appreciate about what you're saying is actively nourish Jing, actually take the time and realize that there's a pathway to do that. And one of the key ideas, you know, you said right at the beginning of your Jing spiel, you said it's very closely related to creativity as well, like creative creative urges and creative drives. And that's exactly right, because sexual energy and creative energy are very closely linked because they're both creationary, you know, at their yeah. core. And then one of the key threads that I've really liked exploring in the last couple years has been this idea, too, of people, Chinese medicine school, we hear a lot about people overusing their Jing. Too much sex, or, you know, uh, emotionless sex that isn't, you know, not connected with the person or the CEO who's burning the candles from both ends, who's, mm-hmm. you know, or a mom who's working 80 hours a week to juggle mm-hmm. all these things and not eating. You can burn up your jing and that can cause disease. And then this thread that I've gotten into dialogue with um, with my one of my teachers, Lillian, you know, she talked about the underuse of jing, not, yeah. not using your gifts, sitting, you know, if you are a we all have gifts and we're all talented in some area, even if it's not the way we traditionally think of talent, but we all have something that we're good at. There's something in us that has like a strength. And so one of the things she talks about is she says these people she sees that are getting sick too are underusing their jing. They're actually not expressing and they're just sitting there complacently apathetic in mm. life. And it's like, that's not, <laughs> that doesn't work either. You know, so just, just com- complete conservation and complete sitting still doesn't necessarily cultivate jing you have to be using what you've been given but not overusing it right it's very Taoist, right that straight straight but <laughs> the not straight the, totally the middle way it's like god but the um, way that is not defined <laughs> right right it's like very zen and enig- enigmatic so okay so going back kind of to this with with you know the jing you know I know why, and obviously, as, you're, as we're talking, why this is important. But when you were saying, you know, you want to get, you know, you want to switch modes between your your nervous system. Talk a little bit about people if they don't understand this. Like, why is it important to slow down? Why is it important to relax? Why is it actually important not to just be going twenty four seven, three sixty five? 
Well, it's that yin and yang cycle again. If you keep going in the yang and you never consciously give yourself the yin phase, you're just going to burn out. Your body's going to be like, okay, done. Yep. And then you get adrenal fatigue or whatever it is mm-hmm. that you want to call it. Yeah. yeah. Adrenal weekend. fatigue, the controversial term, but right. there's something that breaks down um, in your system if you don't give yourself that time. Also, it's it's just this like inner and outer movement. You know, you're talking about your gifts and your gifts to the world and creative energy and bringing yourself into the world and, and creating, being a creative person in the world, you know, actively creating in life. So in order to do that, you have to have times of inner reflection. You have to have times of digestion. There has to be times of, of realignment, you know, so it's like moving out into the world, doing this yang phase, having this activity, and then having this inner reflection, you know, digestion, and then moving back out, you know, and it, it's just the way of, of life. It's 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 kind of what we're given. It's the blueprint that we're given as humanity. That's what the earth does. You know, every winter, everything Correct. goes deep inside, and then in the spring, it blossoms again. You know, and then it, it's it, it, the daytime. You know, everything blossoms, and we're super active. And at the night, we're sleeping, and a lot's happening during our sleep. Mm-hmm. If we don't get enough sleep, then everything breaks down in the body, and so we can consciously do this as, as human beings, you know, since we're, we're conscious beings and we can give ourselves these phases. And I think that's an essential part of being a creative person and, and having a creative purposeful life. Absolutely. Um, it's a great answer. And as you're talking, that's the thing that I think that's really important to remember in this is that I think sometimes when people hear about Chinese medicine or longevity principles or Jing, these ideas, People, for whatever reason, even though it makes sense to me and probably you, is that this is applicable to everybody. Like the every, There's no person that gets away from this. So I think that's a, a key point to remember is that regardless of your walk of life, whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a Chinese medicine practitioner, a mom, whatever your thing is, I feel like it's important for people to realize that even outside of the context of um, fertility, you know, that's a, that's a piece, right? If you're going to, you want to be fertile, you have to conserve Jing and nourish it. But even if you're not, if you just want to be here for your kids and you're not, you're not looking to make babies, but you just want to have any kind of longevity, this process is fully applicable to, to, to that demographic of people as well. So I think that's what I, I think it's always good to point out. It's like it's good for everybody to, to slow yeah. down and take care of your, take care of your jing. Um, with the people, I have a question for you. I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this because it sounds like you dialogue with this pretty consistently and it's a thread to what you're doing. When I've had people ask me this question and I kind of have my take on it, but I, like I said, I would like to hear yours. People have asked me, some people that have very high libido. Some people have very low libido. There's people that are kind of in between. And people have come to me like, well, if I have, you know, people have asked me like, well, great, if I have a low libido, does that mean I have low jing? or that I'm going to die sooner or something. Um, so there's like that question of longevity. And then what, yeah, like that question. And then what do you tell people um, in terms of, you know, if, if sexual energy is kind of a sign of vitality and stuff, but people are naturally low libido, how do you navigate that terrain when you're talking to people? If that's come up at all, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on that process of like, you know, low libido, high libido, sex drive, creativity, and how those all kind of link. I think low libido can be from so many different factors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there is having sexual energy, but it's blocked. Yes. And I think this is really common. And it 
it comes back to how we view it in society. A lot of times there was a time when the person was five and they were freely expressing their sexuality with their friend and an adult came in. It was very shameful and then like something shut down. You know, that happens a lot. I've seen that a lot for people, you know, because I also like to dive really deep and see like, okay, what's the source of this issue? Mm-hmm. Um, so that happens a lot of times you know maybe somebody's afraid of their sexuality mm-hmm. maybe they don't trust their partner maybe they had a traumatic event in their in their past and all of these things can it doesn't mean that you don't have jing or sexual energy but it can be like it's blocked or it's hurting or it's not trusting or it doesn't want to come out or you know again maybe you're just exhausted and you just you know need rest you know like right. you just get enough sleep and then your libido <laughs> can come back um, yeah, so I, I don't think that it relates to necessarily having Jing or not enough Jing. Um, and then there's, there's the way t- to have sex to conserve your Jing. So you talked about it a little bit, but I want to bring it back a little bit more yeah. or more. Um, so there's a way that you can have sex that can use up your Jing. And then mm-hmm. there's a way that you can have sex that can restore and regenerate your Jing and sexuality and sexual energy and creative energy. So the way to have sex to, you know, <laughs> use up your jing is basically mm-hmm. porn style sex. Yep. You know, it's like the wham bam, thank you ma'am, um, a lot of ejaculation, you know, because mm-hmm. jing is, is stored in your sperm. So if you're ejaculating all the time, then you're just like le- leaving your jing out, you know, yep. you're just like letting it go out everywhere. And yep. um, if you're wanting to make a baby, obviously you're going to want to ejaculate, but you know, you can have sex when your partner, when the woman is not in her, um, not ovulating. And, um, I'm just going to like re reformulate my thoughts here. Yeah. So you can have I, I, sex hear, when, I hear you yeah. because there's so many, I totally feel you though, because there's so yeah. many different directions to go here. So I can, yeah. I feel you. Yeah. I'm, I'm with yeah. you though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you can have sex when your partner, when, when the woman is ovulating, yeah. if you're the man and, um, and, and ejaculate at that point, if you're wanting to have a baby. And then when right. she's not ovulating, you can have sex and not ejaculate. And mm-hmm. for the man, it's like, well, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to have sex and not ejaculate? Right. But if you can have sex in a particular way that is super deep. And you can actually have full body orgasms. We actually call it energetic orgasms or etheric orgasms as a man when you are in this deep pleasure state with um, the woman yep. and not ejaculate. And like I, I do this with my partner and when he doesn't ejaculate, it's like he's full of life force and vitality yeah. afterwards, you know, versus like the refractory phase where you have to like fall asleep totally. and you know, yeah, like, passes out, right? He's, yeah, just yeah like, it's totally, it's like 100% different, you yeah. know, like something in him is like, man, I wanted to ejaculate, you know, like, come yeah. on, that's why we did this, you know, yeah, but, yeah, sure. but then it's like that vitality is still flowing inside of him and still moving inside of him. Um, it didn't. It didn't leave his body, and it's very, very noticeable for me as a partner and for him too yep. when he does or doesn't ejaculate. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, you can have sex and build up that sexual energy and then not release it. Right. And you can have sex in a way that creates flow inside of you. You know, so there's 
there's sex that can be really grasping and very mental, you know, and it's grasping and grasping and grasping and it's tight and you're, you're, you're grasping for the orgasm, you're grasping for the release. And that can actually, like, it, it, that, doesn't, that doesn't create sexual energy, that doesn't build vitality. Mm-hmm. The, the way that you have sex that does build vitality is, um, is sex that is opening, you know, the sex right. that allows flow, sex that, sex that allows movement. Right. Um, as the woman, you have to be able to trust your partner. You know, you have to be able to be held by your partner. You have to feel that your partner can meet you and match you in any place that you are, whether it's you need something very soft and or whether you need something very like deep, you know, yeah, it's yeah. Like, maybe you need something really violent. You know, it's like sure. as a woman, you need all of these, you know, the feminine flows, the feminine moves, the feminine needs different things at different times and when when the feminine feels met and held by her partner um, then she can open and she opens more deeply and more deeply and more deeply and then you get to these really deep energetic states of where you start to feel that vitality that sexual energy that regenerative force and then I sometimes I feel it like almost like a um, an infinity sign you know from the belly yeah. to the heart between the partners and right. energy is just moving and you you meet with your partner at this really deep level, like something merges in you at this foundational level yeah. and energy starts moving between you. And sometimes I even like to, you know, hold my hands with my partner and then connect our feet and you can feel the energy flowing and there's, you know, energy centers in your lips sure. and you can feel that, you know, when you're kissing your partner. And so you get to this really deep state where energy is moving and vitality is moving and plus you also feel this really deep connection to your partner. Um, in Chinese medicine, we have the, the deepest state of the qi is the, the shao yen, which is heart kidney. Yep. You know, and this is where you I was just about to jump into that. Yeah, yeah right. You can access that state with your partner. <clears throat> it also creates this deep, energetic, foundational relationship with your partner yep. um, where something feels really solid between you two. And, you know, even when you have kids, your kids can rest on that feeling of, of yep. strength between you two because you're connected, you're right. one at that deep level. Yeah. Well, I'd love to toss some things in here. So, yeah, this is yeah. this is a great topic because I think it's um, – I love all the things that you're saying. And I think it's really important to to keep these things in mind. I think, like you said, in this culture, there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of repression around sexual energy. Uh, Americans are very uptight sexually, collectively. <laughs> yeah. So I think one of the things too, like, you know, simplifying some of this too, is that basically, you know, in in a sense, like in layman's terms, you know, having sex with someone that you love and that sees you fully is typically collectively better for your, for your <laughs> jing than it is, right? Yeah. You know, like you said, the empty, just casual, emotionless sex that doesn't have any connection. And, you know, one of the things that I was going to bring up, because people have talked about this for a long time, we've all heard the term sexual healing, where people have... Mm. Um, even if it's a chance encounter, but they both really link and see each other and they both value and respect each other in that space, in that moment, people will have, you know, sex and they come out of it and they'll stay up all night talking and they just feel like something has been opened from the inside. Yeah. And that's sort of the marker, at least in my estimation and understanding, is when Jing is being nourished, when you feel like there is life coursing through you afterwards where you yeah. don't feel depleted. Um, that's one of the hallmark signs of if, you, if your jing has been exercised appropriately, right? It's been like stimulated and your gifts have actually been stirred up and not, um, 
you know, repressed or, or, or put down or, or stagnated because I know people, and I'm sure you do too, who have had sex with somebody and there was almost a toxic response. Either they, mm. either they felt, um, maybe they felt they were being used or not fully seen or they feel completely empty and hollow afterwards where they're like, why did I do that? Why did I just do this act with this person who really doesn't mean anything to me and vice versa probably. So there's this kind of, you know, thread there that I think it's important to, to touch on that. Um, and, and just to interject, and I, I've shared this story on the podcast one other time, but you know, when I was 19, I lost my dad in a car accident and, wow. um, I didn't grieve. I cried once like the day I found out for a few minutes, then I kind of froze up and didn't cry. And then the following Thursday when I eulogized him, I cried that night for about 30 minutes. And then for two years, I didn't cry at all. And the way it manifested um, was complete lack of, I could not sexually perform at 21. Like it was just, my body was, I didn't know what was going on. And really what it boiled down to was me crying and getting the emotional sludge out and everything returned to normal. But it took me a long time to figure that out. I had to see a number of people and kind of, I had some very lucky encounters with um, some mentors who were like, look, this is what's happening, <laughs> you know? But I think it kind of points to this thing of, yeah, if that blocks up, right? If, if something happens to us, trauma, it's part of why it made me think about yeah. what you were saying. If we have trauma early in life where the, the sexual energy kind of locks down, right? Mm-hmm. So I've, I've noticed with my own personal energetic system that grief, if I don't process grief, and I don't get tears out on a relatively consistent basis, it actually compromises my, you know, sexual energy. Like it just does. It's not true for everybody, you know, but but for me, that's definitely true. Have you yeah. seen similar type things in people? Um, does it, how does it manifest differently or from what you've seen? Like if there's trauma, yeah. like what's that look like in other people? Yeah, well, I was just going to like reflect yeah. back to you. Like, oh, wow, that's, that's very Chinese medicine and that <laughs> the lung energy generates the kidney energy you know and so when the lung relates to grief and when the lung is blocked then it can't nourish the kidney and um i've actually worked a lot with that in fertility of like Mm -hmm. getting the lung energy down into the kidney so another way is to actually just breathe deep into your belly you know if you're wanting to bring more life force more energy into your pelvis you can just breathe Mm -hmm. (laughs) breathe down yeah um but the question was what was the question again how do i how do I see trauma in people? Yeah, yeah, like trauma. Because I think that, that yeah. piece, when that was a thread, kind of like a light went off when you said that. Um, it's been true for me. But I know trauma. <clears throat> when we have trauma in our life, <clears throat> it's going to affect everybody a little different. Yeah. Like it's not going to hit the same system. Yeah. Some people who I know who have been severely depressed, su- supremely sad for long periods of time, have no sexual performance issues whatsoever. That's just not where mm. they get hit. Right? There's another area that gets compromised. So I'm just curious, um, you know, in what you've seen in relation to in relationship to trauma and sexuality, like what have you seen in terms of how it manifests? What what are some of you know people's experiences? What have you seen? Yeah, as you said, it manifests in a lot of in a lot of different ways. Um, mm. Oftentimes, what trauma does it is it it will shut some part of us down, you mm-hmm. know, and it it can be sexually, it can be like in the pelvic energy, it can be in a different part of us. Um, it can shut some part of us down. It can create blockage. It can also create an ejection of a part of us. Like some part of us is like, oh, it's not safe to be here. I'm just going to yep. boom and kind of leave. It creates um, like, yeah, a disconnection from some part of ourselves. It creates some sort of imprint. And so 
we're either yeah shut down, blocked, or disconnected in some form or fashion. And so the way that I work with trauma is um, it's actually through a technique that I've learned from my meditation school called IST. And you would basically go deep into a meditative space and you start to move through that trauma and you're moving through it to help it flow, to unblock it, but also essentially to reconnect to that part of you that was lost through the experience. So whether that part of you was the like young child that was like, you know, super open and innocent and, you know, excited about life and that, that part of you just got shut down in that experience when you felt shame when some adult walked in the room or, you know, whether it's, it's the, like some, for a woman who, you know, was sexually had some sexual trauma, it can be something of her feminine that shuts down, you know, like something that doesn't feel safe in the feminine that doesn't trust, um, that doesn't feel like she can access that part of herself. Um, you know, I, I, I do this, uh, women's group, uh, once a month here in the Bay Area, and I was talking about sexual energy, and and you know a lot of women said I don't feel safe. You know yeah. when I build up my sexual energy and I feel that aliveness flowing through me, I don't feel safe when I go outside. Yeah, you know? fair enough. Yeah, and so it's it's like constantly working at that level, and so I'll go into one of my other passions, which is. Um, feminine energy and helping women reconnect to the feminine. Um, it's so you can call it past life. If you don't believe in past life, you can just say that it was passed down to us, you know, cellularly, women to women. But right. like every single woman that I've worked with to reconnect with some feminine power, to reconnect with sexual energy, has some sort of trauma. I don't want to be seen. You know, I don't want to be seen in this way. I don't feel safe. I feel afraid. Because at some point in history, you know, and we had, I guess, the, the, the point in history that comes to my mind very often was during the Inquisition, you know, 400 years. It wasn't just women. A lot of people were burned. And it was initially started to get rid of the Cathars. But, you know, a lot, uh, any p- woman who was powerful, who was sexual, who was a healer, who had right. knowledge, <clears throat> Was, was burned, you know, or tortured or raped. And all of that was to break the feminine. Mm-hmm. And so every single woman that I work with to reconnect with the feminine, and I often feel mm. it, there's, there's a lot of way the feminine manifests, but I often feel this particular feminine in the pelvis, in the belly, in the forces below. You know, there's also energetic centers that go down into the earth. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like this deep earth, um, powerful feminine um yeah there's just so much fear around it and so it's always working at that level and also helping women to reconnect with those forces you know because it's i i've had to deal with this for myself too you know and so that's why i'm so passionate about it there's like always so much fear 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 don't want to be seen um and then finally something clicked. I was like, you know what? The, these deep feminine forces, the, the things that I'm connected to, the things that I'm reconnecting to inside of myself, 
like that's where the magic is that's where i'm going to heal people that's where my passion is that's where the mystery is mm-hmm. you know i've i've been spinning my wheels trying to get stuff working from the masculine way and it's just there's no movement you know and then when i finally was like okay i'm just going to flip the switch and i'm going to like be brave and courageous and just just do it you know like so, i don't know something just changed inside of me and i was like i have to reconnect with this yeah. and i think so many women experience this and I really want to help other women also reconnect to this yeah. uh, inside of themselves because I think it's it's essential. It's essential for women. It's essential for everybody. You know, like it's essential for the earth. Like I, I don't know yeah. if the earth would be like the environment would be so much, you know, yeah. turmoil if people were more connected to the feminine in this way. And it also feels like there's just this general movement where it's coming back, it's rising, more people are connecting to it, more people are feeling safe. And so that's another way, you know, it ties into fertility, but it also is is its its own thing. And it's another thing that I work with a lot. Yeah. When you were, you know, just backpedaling a little bit, you said right at the beginning of that, um, when you started <coughs> to talk about this, you said that um, people are kind of, you, you, through this process, was it called IST? You said, mm-hmm. yeah, so, technique. okay, so they go back and they're, um, you know, kind of activating the trauma or, or, in a sense, reliving it or going through it again and stirring it up. So, you know, outside of the context of, let's say, working with a practitioner, is there a way to kind of open that door? Say, like, you know, say I got off this podcast and I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to kind of self-assess trauma a little bit. I know some areas in my life where I, maybe I was traumatized in this way. You know, is there are there some baseline fundamental principles or ideas that people can be guided to to sort of look at their stuff um, in a more functional way that can actually get them moving in the right direction? Or do you see it strictly as a process that's you know should be guided by a practitioner at all times? Like, what are your thoughts on just you know, you kind of working on your own stuff in the way that you can or being guided? Like, yeah, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? I would say I've, I'm not sure. I've only done it the one way. Yeah. <laughs> I've only enough. done it the way, yeah, where it's guided. And, um, you know, I've, I've guided a lot of people. I've been guided myself. And there's something about having someone with you that really changes things for me. Mm-hmm. It's like there's a space that's created, you know, around the experience like there's there's a depth that you go into through the meditative space um and then you have someone who's present with you and for me it's able i've I've been able to go really really deep in places that i would have never been able to access myself by having someone be there with me um and essentially it's about the opening you know it's like it's you're not going through it just to go through it again. You're going through it to allow something to open and to release, to allow yourself to reconnect to that part of you that was lost and to integrate the experience. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Because it seems like, I mean, this fundamental idea that we're kind of circling around is that if if we have some kind of blockage in the sexual energy, um, in our creativity, in our vitality, fundamentally life I mean we don't express life as well as we could and yeah. quality of life goes down something yeah. fierce I mean that's really the bottom line I mean I, I know people who have struggled with fertility for a long time um, many numerous people in my life uh, who've struggled with it and that's a huge struggle to have that be you know yeah. on the plate and yeah. then when people aren't uh, I would say when they're not looking to make a baby and they're just looking to live their life 
but be fully expressed. Use their gifts, feel that they're being acknowledged in the world. When that's not happening, that feels pretty awful too. So again, it kind of goes back to that thing, like whether you're trying to fundamentally create life, you know, in a baby or not, this is a, this is a process and dynamic that I think is really important for most people to look at, if not all on some level. Yeah. Well, what have you, what have you seen, I guess, in the context of this? So when you're, when you're working with people and you're, and you're guiding them through this process, you know, what do you see as you say you unearth the trauma, right? And you're, and you're kind of guiding them through the, the, the medicine style that you do. You know, what does the other side of this look like? What do you, you know, what do you see in terms of movement of people, their expression, uh, maybe, you know, fertility, like what, what's some of the, uh, the end game scenarios that you've seen? Sure. I was working with someone really recently and um, this actually wasn't for fertility. It's she had sacrum issues, but it's kind of similar. You know, your sacrum's mm-hmm. in the pelvis, and yeah. she was um, <laughs> she's kind of a very timid person. And when I was working on her sacrum, I could feel this like fire in her belly. You know, like a tiger in her belly. And I was like, "Wow, you have a lot of ferocity there." And you know, did you know that? No, <laughs> you know. And so there was something like the pain in the sacrum was from this like intense holding down holding something in she had to she felt like she had to present herself in a certain way and she could only let certain things move through so i've often seen a a relationship between the pelvis and the voice you know allowing things to Mm. move through your voice to express um and you know did the session with her but it was really like towards the end when we were talking and i was you know trying to help her feel like you have all of this in your belly and you can let it move and then all of a sudden it just clicked for her. And then, oh, <laughs> oh. The light goes off, and then right. something happened. It wasn't just mentally. It's something clicked in her energetically. Oh, I don't have to hold myself in. Oh, I don't have to, you know, present myself this way, this way, this way. And then all of a sudden it was just movement, you know, from her pelvis mm-hmm. into her system. Her eyes got brighter. You could feel like the vitality flowing in her system and, I was like, wow, do you feel that? And she said, yes, I feel the energy moving. And so, you know, sometimes it's just a realization. But, you know, this this is like, you know, for people, for all people, not necessarily people wanting to have a baby. It was like yeah. just this realization that you don't have to control everything that's coming out of your mouth. And you can let that tiger of vitality or whatever it is that you felt like you weren't able to let it move. And then all of a sudden energized, energizing, you know. yeah. Absolutely. And when, when you see this process, um, and I mean, you're watching it as a clinician, as a practitioner, you're seeing something change. You're like, wow, the person's voice has shifted there. They seem more expressed. Do your patients equally feel that? Or is it, um, are they aware of it when it happens? Are they kind of hip to the, to the notion? Can they feel that? Yeah. Wow. Something's different. Yeah. I'm very much, I guess one of the central things that I like to do is help people connect to their bodies and to themselves. So I'm always, I'm never just telling them anything. I'm, I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm telling you this so that you can have the experience yourself. Maybe the way I'm expressing it isn't the way that you experience it, but I'm just trying to get you sure. into the experience so that you can experience this yourself. I think it's super key and it makes people more empowered. It brings the power back to them when they can feel their body, feel what's happening inside of them feel when the energy is flowing, feel where it's blocked, you know, and they, then you get to like, yeah, then you get to have agency, you know, you get to be aware of what's happening in your system. 
um, I did a, in, in the meetup I did last Saturday, we connected to our wombs, you know, like, okay, how is your womb feeling? What does your womb feel like? You know, like when yeah. we connected to each of our wombs and everyone else, you know, everyone else's wombs, just to have that experience of having that connection and everyone's felt a little different, you know, one person felt grief mm-hmm. from a miscarriage, you know, and another one felt shy, you know, and it's, sure. there's like space to have that experience, but just to connect because then you can see when something starts to go off. You know, this is the essential preventative medicine when you can feel inside yourself, okay, something doesn't feel quite right. Yeah. Okay, I need to look at this. I need to address it in some way. You know, and and Mm -hmm. your pelvis, um, and I'm speaking more as a woman, but it's probably also for a man. You know, your pelvis, your womb, um, your vagina, you know, that like when you're yeah. connected to that and something's off, okay, well, something's, something's not right here. Maybe there's a boundary that has been crossed. Absolutely. You know, maybe you're not expressing yourself. Maybe like the way you're moving through life isn't quite right. You know, like something's off here. Yep. Maybe, you know, maybe it's diet. Maybe I'm eating too much sugar and so I'm getting mm-hmm. these different, you know, but when you're aware of what's happening there, like is something shut down, is something cranky, is something, right you know, like off, then you can start to address it before it becomes a physical disease. And I think that's super important. So I'm always trying to get people I work with connected into their bodies. Yeah. And it's definitely true, <clears throat> excuse me, for, for men, for a lot of men that I talk to, and it's been true for myself. You know, I come from a pretty extensive martial art background and I, <clears throat> I focused on a lot of the, you know, internal martial art systems. I teach Tai Chi. And mm-hmm. so one of the key threads that I noticed right from the beginning with the internal arts that are just very much about keeping your awareness down in the, the lower Dantian, right? The lower abdomen, mm-hmm. keeping it moving there. I mean, that was especially through my 20s when I had a lot of weird um, stuff with my dad and I was just, I had a lot of grief and weird identity stuff I was figuring out about what's my life going to look like without my dad and who am I? And it was just a weird time. And I mean, the thing that kind of grounded me back into baseline sexual expression was martial arts because mm. it kept my mind in my belly. Basically, um, mm-hmm. I, I was very easy for me to for my heart to get very hot and for me to just be in my head a lot and overthinking things. And that was that was the exhaustion. You know, I had to I had to consciously kind of bring things back down. And that kind of brings me to the next question, because what I've seen in, you know, my interactions with clients, people that I work with, the things that I'm seeing, people that typically well, let me lay out this idea first because I think I think you're hip to it. But for the people listening, that you know, the Jing, Qi, and Shen, you know, the the our constitutional strength, our essence. Then we have our energy, and then our spirit at the top. And that platform, right? Jing is like the bottom of the pyramid. It's the biggest base. Qi's a little bit smaller, and then Shen is the top <clears throat> of the triangle or of the pyramid. And when I've seen that be upside down, where people are mm. all in their head. They have a little mm-hmm. bit of chi and they're wiped out. They have like, they have no energy for sex, right? They have no mm-hmm. energy for anything. They're just so burnt out. Mm-hmm. There's very little room for sexual activity, um, whether that's creative drive or the actual physical act or the libido gets low, right? They, they get very depleted. So it kind of got me thinking about what you said about um, your meditation background. Have you seen that, that when people's minds calm down, that the sexual reservoir starts to fill back up like when they can get out of their head and start putting things back lower um yeah what have you seen with that i've seen that but i'm curious to know because we all attract different people so (laughs) sure yeah i've I've actually seen it a lot in my work with people Mm -hmm. um i recently did a class on empowered birth and basically these women were about to give birth they were really scared (laughs) 
you know, like, I don't know if I can do this. And I was like, okay, the fear is in your head. It's at the level of your mind. I can't, I'm afraid. Basically, it's all these ideas that you have about what's happening. It's the story about mm-hmm. what's happening. It's the story about the experience. It's not the actual experience. It's like the hamster in the wheel, right? Like just Yeah. 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 It's yep. just your idea of mm-hmm. what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong, and it has nothing to do with the actual thing itself. Um and so I I got I, you know, gave them that context. The fear is in your head, it's not the experience. And I got them to go down into their bellies, you know, and I helped them. So yeah. I, like had hands on their hips. Sure. So I would, you know, breathe down into your belly. I had them get into their belly. And as soon as I did, boom, silent mind. Yeah. Silent mind. Down into their belly, silent mind. And then they also felt the power in their belly. I was like, you, your body knows how to give birth. You are right. one of billions of women who have given birth over the history of, of humans. You know, like, you know how to give birth. Your body knows how to do this. Like, go into the experience. Go into the flow of the experience. It's going to be the most intense thing that you've ever experienced, but it's force and it's power and it's life and your body knows how to do this. And so go into the place where you know how to do this, which is in your pelvis. Your brain doesn't know how. No, it's very true. And I have to toss this story in because my wife did a home birth and I was the I was the first person to catch my daughter. So when she came out, like her, you know, my hands were the first thing that she touched. It was beautiful. It was awesome. Amazing experience. My wife, though, is very, very yin. She's very soft. She's very, just very traditionally feminine. And just, you know, she moves slowly and she's just, yeah, very graceful. And, you know, because I'm a first-time parent and I just didn't know and I'm a guy, I remember kind of going through that process. I'm like, she wants to do a home birth with me, which means no pain meds, no anything. And I remember thinking, like, I just don't know if she's going to be able to handle this given her personality. And I was floored at how her body just took over. I mean, it fully, she became like a different person. It, it was like, where's my wife? Like, whoever this person is, is like, not her. I mean, it was her, but it was crazy to watch her body go from that mode of, you know, ah, I'm in pain, to just silent, fully in her body. She stopped talking. And when she stopped talking, I knew, I was like, oh, shit. She's in her body because her, you know, her body's about to do this. And it was amazing. You're absolutely right. I mean, the body does know what to do. I mean, it was it was kind of remarkable to see how how true that statement really is. It it really made me kind of reframe, uh, and I and I made me kind of be like, I should give my wife more credit. You know, like I I, I kind of was like in a way I was underestimating her. And I shouldn't have. Uh, her body took care of it, but it was. Um, but you're right. I mean, that's exactly right. The body does know what to do. And that's a key point to remember. I think people forget about mm-hmm. in the context of a baby and in life, right? <laughs> the body. Yeah, and there's something about resting in the pelvis where, yeah, your mind goes silent, you're mm-hmm. grounded, you're connected, you're alert, you're aware, yep. you know, just like if you think about the martial artist mm-hmm. and you're centered and like it, it's it's a good place to be, you know? The mind is a hamster wheel. It has no connection to anything that's happening. yeah. It has, I mean, it's like, right, it's functional. It helps you pay your bills and do your day-to-day stuff. We need it. But man, to live there is exhausting for, for, yeah. for men and women. It's very tiring. It doesn't, there's not, there's not a lot of longevity or sustainability there. Yeah, you're right. You know, we need it. Of course, we wouldn't have it otherwise. But mm-hmm. it's not, it's not connectable. You can't connect from your mind. Um, you can connect from your body. You can connect from your spirit or your shen. But 
you know, not your mind. Absolutely. Well, Corinne, in this, we, we've jumped through some pretty cool <laughs> hoops through yeah. this, this conversation. But if you were, you know, in kind of like closing and wrapping up this whole big picture that we have about Jing, you know, sexuality, vitality, longevity, fertility, you know, pe- women, if, you know, if they're looking to make a baby or if people want to just live with more vitality, you know, if you had parting words for the audience in terms of how people can embark on this process in the simplest way, you know, how do we start putting mm-hmm. like baby steps in the right mm-hmm. direction? What would be the kind of takeaway thing that you would tell people to to begin doing if they're not, you know, or things to assess? Like, what would you, what would be your guidance? I mean, I guess baby steps, first step, you know, get enough rest. <laughs> like, if you're exhausted, <laughs> yeah. you have to change something somehow, some way, you know. Yep. Um, so stop being exhausted. <laughs> that would be the first step. Yes, step one. Probably easier said than done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Second baby step, nourish yourself. You like, you have to eat well because your body is made up of everything that you put in it. You know, this is what your, your energy is, is made from the life force of the food. Your physical body is made from the physical right. things in the food. And so, you know, eat food that is full of life, you know, Mm -hmm. go to the store, eat produce that feels full of life. And that's going to also support your life force. So obviously, you know, if you can eat local, well, that's amazing because you're not eating food that's been shipped across the country. Um, But, you know, if you just eat a lot of produce that looks really healthy and alive, well, that's good too. You know, yeah. like the, the closer, the farther away you get from life and being alive and processed and shelf food, the less life force that you're going to get from yeah, your food. Absolutely. So those are just like super baseline. And then I guess the next level would be connectability, you know, so connecting to yourself, connecting to your body, connecting to your partner, you know, yeah, connecting to people in your life, connecting to your life, you know, it's like. It's so easy when you're like running, 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 going, going, going to forget that connection piece of just to like slow down, breathe. What do I need? Um, Yeah, that's a great. And if you have more, I want to hear more. I just want to just connect on that piece that you just said. That connectivity piece is very real because I know for a number of uh, women that I've talked to as well, there there is sort of. um, well, I think the infertility piece can be very isolating for a lot of women. Yeah. And as a result, they sort of isolate themselves from life in general. They sort of box themselves mm-hmm. in. And even if they're not going to women's support groups for this particular thing, them mm-hmm. getting out and doing like a painting class and just connecting with people mm-hmm. seems to sort of circulate things in the right direction. Women have had that I know have had huge shifts in just expanding their social circles and just seeing more people yeah. and just essentially interacting with living people that's sort of that thing seems to be very real and powerful yeah it's it's a human need yeah like we it's an essential human need we need Um, people we need people we need connectability Mm -hmm. both with ourselves and with other people and there's something nourishing and life-giving in that piece and also you know when we connect to ourselves like oh wow things are really terrible right now I feel full of like pain and shame and frustration and all of those things and so it's hard to feel that but it's like it gives you that sense on the radio I lost your sound I lost you weird 
yeah, totally lost. Oh, there you're back. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Yeah. Okay. So, so something happened. I don't know what. Yeah, that was strange. Um, yeah. So it's just giving a beat on yourself of like what, okay, something needs to shift and yeah, connecting with other people, especially mm-hmm. women connecting with other women seems to be really yeah. important. I don't know about from the men, from the man's standpoint, but being a woman, it's um, super important to be able to connect with other women, especially when you're feeling frustrated and frustrating with being a woman. And, you yeah. know, like a lot of women start feeling like they are able to be a woman, you know, if they can't give birth. And so, right. you know, there's a lot of like internal issues that come up around this and, and something about the connectability in a, in a way that feels good and safe and supportive and alive starts to help that to flow again, you yeah. know, and yeah. you're a person and your value isn't wrapped up in what you do and what you produce and how many babies you make. It's, it's like who you are as a human isn't about all of that stuff. And sometimes being able to connect into ourselves, like, why am I alive? You know, why am yeah. I here? Absolutely. But, like, it's, 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 you know, we need that space to be able to reconnect with what does it mean to be a human and why am I here, you know? And, um, in my meditation practice, like I've, I've discovered that a lot of times humans live in this really small bandwidth of experience and what we're yep. capable of humans is so big and it's so big, vast. Yeah. And, you know, the, the reason I do meditation is to connect to all of this the spaces of consciousness and that wide range of potential and possibility mm-hmm. that we have as a human. And I think it's so important, you know, like, to reconnect with that in, in yourself. Um, why are we here? And yeah, so those would be the first three steps because, you know, those, those that's, that's the baseline to just get yourself to feeling healthy and okay. And it's, you huge. know, yeah. And, and then from there, you can start doing the sexuality <clears throat> practices, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's hard to even want to cultivate your sexual energy and your gene and all of that stuff when, when you're, you, you know, you're in pain and you're exhausted and, yep. you know, you're, you're frustrated and you're running the hamster wheel. And so it's like, there has to be some sort of slowing down reconnection as well as giving yourself the proper food and rest that you need. And then you can start with the, the piece around, you know, cultivating your life and longevity and vitality. Yeah. And sort of metaphorically, it sounds like you're like, these are like the places where we seal the leaks first, right? We've got to like, yeah. Put the, yeah, yeah. like seal up the leaks before we start filling the tub or the well back up. Exactly. Yeah. Just like seal things so that you're not leaking all the time because most of us are right. Except we're all leaking to a degree, right? Like we're all, slowly dying <laughs> but but i mean there's that larger piece of like yeah you don't want to leak so fast that you just don't have any oomph and juice and vitality for your day-to-day living and and for your larger you know purpose in life so well corinne those are great thank you for all of that information and for for jumping in on this topic because i think it's one like i think it's applicable to everybody and i think it's a message that people need to hear it's important and it's a framework that i think we all need to kind of yeah just not burn out because everyone's doing it right we live in america and and everyone is prone (laughs) to burnout in some capacity it's it's pretty easy to do it that's for sure it is it is and i think people want to feel healthy and alive full of of life and 
creatively satisfied. Whether do. that's creating a baby or creating, you know, your life's purpose. Right, and, right. We all want to feel good. Well, yeah. um, Corinne, thank you for doing this. And if people want to find you, follow you, kind of see what you're doing, what are the best places to do that? Sure. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Um, so my website is dragonblossomhealing.com. Okay. And you can email me at cw at dragonblossomhealing.com. Okay. Um, Instagram is at dragonblossomfertility. And then I have a Facebook group called Reclaiming Feminine Wisdom. Um, it's a closed group, but, you know, just request and I'll, and I'll um, accept you. So, we, you know, we talk a lot about the, the reclamation of feminine wisdom and just a safe space for women to explore and express themselves. Yep. Um, and at some point, I am going to create some online courses. So that's in the very beginning, more of the idea stage. But, um, yeah, excited to put that out. And so, like, would love for you to connect with me. I would love to explore more of these topics with you yeah. um, if you're interested in um, of course, at some point, I think, yeah, I'm definitely going to have sexual energy, cultivating sexual energy as a part of that. So, cool. yeah, would love to hear from you and, and uh, reach out if you'd like. Yeah. Well, again, Corinne, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye.